Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Coming up today on the Football Ramble. I think the fact that, and, and Jim and Andy have, have touched on it, but he was that Mount Rushmore player, wasn't he? Yes, they Got were criticising him. They just weren't being dicks. Yeah. I mean, even, that, <laughs> even that wasn't enough for Roy Keane. Who's been phenomenal in the last couple of months, by the yeah. way. Probably the best player in the Premier League. I don't like breaking the rules, but I don't like doing what I'm told, everybody. Welcome to the Football Ramble. Middlesbrough have one foot in the Carabao Cup final. It's Wednesday, 10th of January. I'm Marcus Speller. I'm Jim Campbell. I'm Eddie Brasser. I'm the Dushan of Hunter Raja. I might as well just keep talking to this bit. I reckon. Welcome, everybody, to a wonderful Wednesday at the Football Ramble, which you sounded so disappointed there. I but, thought but I was going to squeeze it in. Yeah, I thought I was going to squeeze it in. No, I think oh, that you... was the ultimate hospital pass. Come on. Yeah. I think you just realised um, what you're like as a bloke. Oh, yeah, and I'm Vidushin. <laughs> I'm, I'm him, aren't I? Every day. Every day I've got to be this guy. Why do, I always, why do I always get him? Uh, why always me? <laughs> oh dear. Thanks to friend of the Ramble, Gavin Alexander, for sending us today's intro line. You can become a friend of the Ramble too by heading over to patreon.com forward slash football ramble. Get on the Discord where everybody likes to have a pop at Vish. It's much fun, <laughs> I hear. Um, People aren't paying for that, are they? Uh, do they have a pop at me? I think they are. Oh. I'm sad you had to learn about this while we're doing the show. <laughs> Might start charging my mum on the WhatsApp group then. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, we start with some sad news before we get to uh, the Middlesbrough-Chelsea game, of course. Um, 
people already know this because it it uh, it was announced on Monday that German legend of the game Franz Beckenbauer died uh, at the age of 78. Of course, an absolute titan of the game, won the World Cup as captain of West Germany in 74, uh, won the trophy again as manager in 1990, won the European Championship in 1972, as well as the Ballon d'Or twice. Uh, lots of other trophies, uh, of course. One of only three men to win the World Cup as a player and a manager. One of the other two, actually, Mario Zagallo, sadly died last Friday as well. Um, I, pff, when you talk about legends of the game, Franz Beckenbauer is one of them. Yeah, absolutely. Just just one of those players that is is held up as a sort of standard bearer of really that first generation of superstars mm-hmm. in, in, in modern football, when it was a lot more visible and a lot more accessible to people. Played in colour. Played in colour. And and not in colour, yes, well, I believe. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, 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 that's one right. One of the few to bridge that gap and yeah, be an yeah, absolute yeah. superstar. But yeah, so one of the, one of those one of those all time greats. Yeah, and that's a really good point, actually, Jim, about being a groundbreaker in terms of personality and charisma as well as the way he played. Mm. Because at this point, when Beckenbauer comes into the game in the sixties, German professionalism is is quite new, and he is someone who. It really creates modern Bayern mm. because remember Bayern Munich weren't even mm-hmm. founders of the original Bundesliga Which back are, in sixty three. When you talk about modern professionalism, I mean this is this will be surprising to some people, but the, the Bundesliga was only found or, or the Bundesliga only went professional in nineteen sixty three. Yeah, Which that, is that's mad. that's right. And <laughs> that, they were they weren't founder members. Uh, eighteen sixty Munich got chosen in, instead. Now he was an eighteen sixty Munich fan when he was a kid, but when he was twelve or thirteen, he had an argument with one of the coaches, and the, the coach hit him. And the legend goes that he said, right, okay, I'm going to show you, I'm, I'm going to throw him a lot in with Bayern. And he becomes like, arguably yeah. the most successful player in their history and one of the most successful people in their history. Because, of course, he goes on to be the president. Mm. And, you know, Bayern, obviously, they're very successful in the 70s when he was a player. But by the time they're in the 80s, they're losing money hand over fist. And him, together with Karl Heinz Rummenigge, um, Uli Hoeneß, they modernize the club and make it this behemoth, this money-making machine and establish them as the preeminent club in, in, in German football as, w- as well as just a big club and a, a big name. That's how you hold a grudge. That <laughs> yeah, is how you hold a grudge. It is, yes. Yeah. Exactly. But Best I, revenge I, is living well. I, I think that's it. It's amazing. What, what Jim was saying about how he, it, he sort of defines a position as a player. You know, there are very few players, you know, you can probably count them on the fingers in one hand or Homer Simpson's hand, how the, 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 the like you, you mention their name and immediately you see the position in your brain. Mm. So, you know, it took a while to nail that position down because he was so fluid, as, as yes, was sort of saying. But when you think, like Gerard Piquet, for example, mm-hmm. the best compliment to him mm-hmm. when he started becoming a real star with Barcelona is his teammates started calling him Piquenbauer. Mm. You know, yeah. that, that, that's, that says a lot. But you think, having done that, what he goes on to do off the pitch almost becomes bigger. So, as you say, wins the World Cup with West Germany. And the way he did it, I don't know if you could do it now. There's this great story about when uh, they're prepping. They stayed in um, this this really nice place by Lake in Sioux Tirol for mm-hmm. the 1990 World Cup. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought they, you were going to say Baden Baden there. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> they get that. No, no that that was that was only defined by one group of people. <laughs> and so that they 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 arrive there. He sends the advance party, mm-hmm. and while he's off watching, I think it's Yugoslavia mm-hmm. in a friendly. They all get on it and have a super time in this mm. in in this mansion, and it all gets a bit out of hand. Beckenbauer gets back, and he he could go mad, mm-hmm. but he just turns a blind eye to it, and he says, "Look, it's about 
having a bit of fun as well. Mm. And Pierre Litbarski says, you know, you, uh, when you're at a World Cup, you need to yeah. have fun. And that, and that really yeah. helps him. Give and me so, the decks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think uh, Tim Jürgens from El Freunde, the um, German magazine, referred to him as the emperor with a light touch. Interesting. And that's quite a good way of yeah, I describing mean, it, him. Yeah, yeah. When, when you think about, as I say, football from, from yesteryear, Beckenbauer is, is always mentioned on, on the pitch. You know, as, as you mentioned there, had a, a huge legacy off the pitch as well. Not always good. I mean, there were no, yeah. allegations of, of corruption, of course, around the 2006 World Cup. You know, when that, you get into football administration, exactly, it's yeah. going to happen though, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> but, he, but he was, so, it, that personality, that, that sort of um, standing he had in the game, he was always going to be involved. It wasn't just going to be, oh, there he is at a few games in an ambassadorial role. He was always going to be involved. And, you know, regrettably, there were a, a, a few things there. But, I mean, when you think of, of Beckenbauer, Vish, you know, what leaps to mind? I think the fact that, and, and Jim and Andy have, have touched on it, but he was that Mount Rushmore player, wasn't he? Yes, that's a brilliant way of describing it. You grow up yeah. and you don't, you, yeah. you didn't watch him, yeah, but yeah, he's yeah. always referenced by your, yeah. your coaches or teachers yeah, yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you, you know, you delve in a bit yeah. and... Um, as you can do now, you know, watch mm-hmm. some of, some of his highlights, and just by the way other people talk of him, and you're like, oh, okay. And it feels like you know every position has one of those, or at least yeah. you know defense, attack, and midfield have a collection of them. Mm-hmm. And then he was he was that one, as, as Andy said, the fact that that Barcelona team <laughs> were calling someone who was integral to their success after you know re- yeah. referencing Beckenbauer says it all really, because yeah. I can't imagine many of them would have watched him because mm-hmm. of their ages as well. I think also the the really um, the really interesting thing, I suppose, was, and, you know, Andy's story there about the 1990 World Cup was about his charisma as well. And I suppose mm-hmm. a lot of people talk about his magnetism and the fact that he was actually quite a chilled guy, despite, I suppose, like the disciplinarian look. And he tells, a re- uh, Beckenbauer uh, told a really interesting story about um, when he meets Bobby Robson at the end of uh, normal time before the penalties mm-hmm. and he kind of walks up there and he, he's, he's a bit nervous because he's like, right, you know, Bobby's got so much more experience than him and he thinks Bobby's going to basically try and get in his head mm-hmm. and they basically embrace and apparently Robson says, we've done what we can. It's up to that man upstairs now. <laughs> Beckenbauer's like, we've done this. <laughs> yeah, Beckenbauer. Yeah. Well, you, Beckenbauer's, haven't, you haven't practiced but, this. <laughs> but, but Beckenbauer says that like, he would have he would have liked to think that he would do the same thing because because Robertson clearly saw a young coach yeah. and thought like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, are yeah. we going to do you know fair play we we reached this far and the fact that Beckenbauer looks at that in admiration I suppose speaks to the kind of personality he was that yeah. he didn't just think like oh you know you're really soft he just thought like this is nice yeah no, this I is th- what football should be I think I think that's fair yeah and also as well you mentioned Gerard Piquet. John Stones, yeah. the Barnsley mm. Beckenbauer. Absolutely. Well, this is one of the things that um, is so, so fascinating about him. When, and sort of bringing it back to that Mount Rushmore idea, obviously with Pele and, and with Diego Maradona in particular, and Cruyff to an extent, it's very obvious what was great about them. You yeah. know, we've seen yeah, some yeah, footage yeah. and yeah. it's like, it's, it's, it's clear as day. Cruyff is a little bit more interesting because he changed so much in terms of how he influenced the players around him on the pitch. And we still feel the echoes of that in management today. Beckenbauer, sort of mm. marauding, playmaking defender. Yeah. It almost doesn't make any sense. And it, yeah. it's it's so fascinating. Even, it's, it's the most interesting of those kind of figures from that era. Yeah, mm. definitely. And, and even the fact that people doing Beckenbauer things now are properly difference makers in elite teams mm-hmm. says a lot, really, about the fact that he was... I mean, he must have made mugs of so many different teams yeah. at the time. I remember growing up through the 90s and the <clears> player, <throat> because he was German, the player who was always talked about in that mould. And when you'd watched him, you were like... Oh, I think I kind of get it. Was Matthias Salah? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it all speaks for itself, doesn't it? So, yeah, he, he um, yeah, says it sadly died this week, as we say. Um, 
gentlemen, uh, let us move on to Middlesbrough 1, Chelsea 0. That happened last night. Middlesbrough head Stamford Bridge with a 1-0 advantage. Although you did jinx them with that in line. <laughs> yeah. One foot in the final. <laughs> and of course, these two played a couple of cup finals back in the 90s as well. Chelsea yeah. won both of them. It's a chance for revenge. Yeah, one foot in the final, one foot in a bucket of Carabao. Which one is going <laughs> to... Which one will win out? Yeah, that's true. Tripping uh, over the threshold of the final. <laughs> yeah. What about this, Vish? Michael Carrick is aiming to become the first of the England golden generation to win a trophy in England how do as a you, manager. How do you do it, pod after pod? I, I, yeah, I don't know impressive. how you do it. It's amazing. It's not bad, is it? Win a trophy <laughs> in England. He's seen Adrian's Wars. Like, right, hold on. <laughs> not going north of that. Still there, still there. I mean, maybe this is putting too fine a point on it, but we always talk about, like, you know, the positional smartness or rather the, the, the intelligence reading of the game that you'd have in different positions. And... You know, you look at someone like Michael Carrick, you look at someone like Xabi Alonso. I'd like to think during their playing careers, a few of us saw them and thought, oh, they'd make really good managers because just the way they play the game, the way Coach they saw the, the pitch, game. Coach on the pitch, Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe it's not, not a surprise. I mean, he's still got a fair bit of work to do. I think there's probably, um, there's, there'll be a lot of people thinking, oh, there's examples where those types of players haven't gone on to be good managers. Of sure, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, the margins are tiny, aren't they, for yeah, those but, who are but, to succeed? But it's a, it's a common trope, isn't it? That that kind of player, we like you to assume think that, is, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't, I don't think. Do you think you'll? Bring, do you think they're all in a WhatsApp group? <laughs> a golden generation. Well, look, one of us has to. Michael, it's all on you now. Come you? on, Michael. Paul Scholes just is, mugging everyone off at Lampard, every opportunity. Lampard came close with Chelsea. Wazza has read. Well, I've lost my job, so that's <laughs> it's all on you now. If, if they were in a WhatsApp group, I don't think Carrick would feel the need to reply. He has that aura about him that he's he's not doing it for sure. Blue show. tick everything, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's he's just he's just doing his own thing. I mean, I think that's the remarkable thing. We, we had this discussion, didn't we, before we came on about you know how many people actually pay attention to what Middlesbrough are doing if you're not a Middlesbrough fan or you're not in the northeast because you know they've drifted. You know they've been in the Premier League what once in the last. 16, 17 years now. It's, it's, it's been a long time since they've been in a lot of English football fans' consciousness. And I think, in a way, it's helped Carrick to be undercover. I mean, I look at the work he's doing, and you can talk about all those other coaches, and you know, it might be quite a spurious way of grouping them together, but it looks that he is going to be quite clearly the best coach of any of those guys. And I think it's his manner, it's the way he speaks about the game. It's the way he speaks to his players. Mm. Um, it's the way he speaks to journalists. He's and how is that, Andy? If I may, because extremely often, thoughtful, right? Because when and he was a player, never, never raises his voice, right? So when he was a player, that that that's it. That when he would do the interview, he always came across as shy is not the right word, but a bit reserved, maybe, and and, and a, perhaps a sort of strong, I think quiet, silent type. but assertive. Maybe yeah. is 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 the best way of de- describing yeah. that, and and you really get that now. <clears throat> and I think because Middlesbrough have drifted a little bit from the promotion picture, they're in mid table at the moment. They're, they're they're only I think four points off the playoffs mm-hmm. at the moment. I think people can look at that and the way they went out in the the semi finals of the cup, um, the playoffs last season, and think, oh well, maybe it's drifting. Maybe he's having one of those mm-hmm. young manager second seasons that young managers have. I don't think that is the case. Their injury list is horrendous. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't watch Middlesbrough that often, but I could have picked what team they were going to put out last night because they haven't really got much choice. Yeah. And you think of the players they brought back. I mean, I went to see them against Villa on Saturday 
And they're only narrowly beaten as well. Yeah, they're yeah. only narrowly beaten. Very good defensive performance, which is not really Carrick's game, but that they can switch to that kind mm-hmm. of game, I think, is 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 quite impressive. And it, it would be useful, obviously, if they came up to the Premier League because it's a frequent criticism made of Premier League teams. You know, you think of Jovanovic's Fulham, for example. They come up and try to play the same way they play in the championship mm. and they get torn apart. I don't think that would happen to a Michael Carrick team for what it's worth because I think he's got a little bit more of a varied palette about mm. him. But, you know, they've got this ton of injuries which you think is easing off. And then Emmanuel Latte Lat, who starts the game up front last <laughs> season, he gets injured five minutes in. Yeah. yeah. Bangura has to go off after 20. Yeah. And you you look at the, we, you know, we can talk all day about the resources that Middlesbrough have got compared to Chelsea. But when you're playing a team with massive resources, that's a huge pisser. That's yeah. really difficult to, to to deal with. And they did deal with it. And, you know, I know Chelsea missed their chances. And, you know, let's not get into coating off Cole Palmer because he has been their best player this season. Well, he's finished. By, by, <laughs> by some distance. Mm. But what, what Middlesbrough have managed to do, given that they've got a squad that's almost down to the bare bones, and they've had to play two fairly well-resourced Premier League teams in the space of four days, I think it's really impressive. It was impressive. Uh, Hackney, of course, got the goal and uh, not one to be among the goals that much, Jim, but it was a lovely little finish. It was a lovely little finish. Mm. The celebration yeah. was beautiful as well. Oh, the good. crowd, I mean, the talk, talk about 12th man. You but know. You, you sense, um, it's lovely when you see a team in a situation like this appreciate just how massive it is to have taken a chance like that because mm. Chelsea had a lot of chances. They carved a lot of chances. As you say, Cole Palmer missed a few and... Cole Palmer's been fantastic this season, as you say. So you know you've sort of been let off the hook a little bit mm-hmm. there. But yeah, that that energy was it was such a shot in the arm at such an important time in that game. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it sort of essentially it gave them the resilience to sort of not cling on as much, but just hold hold firm. I think you if, know? You, if you take I think the that's lead, it, holding firm because they 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 gave it more of a front foot go than they did against Villa. Well, they, they were on the front foot straight away, and I think yeah. that's it, Vish. You know, when when you're the smaller side and you go a goal up. Obviously, it changes the the, the tie, but again, it, 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 it's not a question of hanging on. But you kind of go right. We don't have to maybe overcommit, perhaps. Um, mm. And uh, they were they were solid in all they did. Yeah, a little bit rubber the green and so on. But I, I thought they were worthy winners. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think they did. Um, just to use Manchester United as an example of, of a <laughs> of a Premier League team who struggle but still have the name in the shirt. Right. Um, I think Wigan, for example, on Monday night, and we're going to talk about that game a bit later on. But I don't think they really went at United in a in a meaningful way beyond that chance they had at the start. Whereas Middlesbrough throughout the first half, and I appreciate you know Middlesbrough mm-hmm. and Wigan very different teams. Middlesbrough are a far better team, but they went at Chelsea in quite a constructive way. Well, Jones was great on the right wing. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he really was. I mean, even, even little things like, it's quite a novelty. I know he was playing wing back, but it's quite a novelty having a right-footed player on the right wing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even, even that's that, the way you got to do it. The full-backs aren't used to it. He's, he's going down that way. I mean, normally I'm going that way. I don't, that's strange. I'm supposed to show you outside. <laughs> yeah, you where's your car? Going into the crowd. <laughs> yeah. Shouldn't you be over there? Yeah. But but there but there was a bit of like you know we talk about those kind of teams working hard when there is that mismatch. But you also have to work hard in attack, and we, mm-hmm. you don't really see mm-hmm. that. I think a lot of the times it's when you're without the ball, but. Just keep going at them, keep going at them, yeah. and I thought I thought they did that very well. It was a lovely goal. I also think that if you if you'd never seen Chelsea, or rather, if you hadn't seen this Chelsea this season, mm-hmm. 
they're in that weird space where you could watch every game and know what their kind of seasonal problems are. Mm-hmm. And it's like if you were watching Neighbours in the early nineties. Here we go. You miss a, Here we go. You miss a you miss a couple of episodes, and you, you know you just pick it up again straight away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's not necessarily a sign of a good show, is it? No, no. But the you know they were. Oh, you you baited him now. <laughs> oh, you won't find me defending Neighbours. <laughs> but they you know. They but were... I wasn't into Home and Away, just for the record. Yeah, <laughs> carry yeah, on. Just assume that you'd be. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Home and Away Ultra. You, you could dislike both yeah <laughs> but there were like you know the loads of random individual moments where like, oh they got good players mm-hmm, and then yeah. they just like pass the ball to where the other you know where their teammate was where mm-hmm. they were, like where they were going to be and you're like oh okay yeah, yeah. you're still not on the same page not on the same page it, very much so yeah and uh, I mean Mauricio Positina told his players before the game to be more aggressive and if you read a lot of the comments and and some of the uh, quotes from Positino the word aggressive keeps coming up over and over again and I, it is that symptomatic of the disjointed nature of Chelsea at the moment, do you think? I think it's symptomatic of the recruitment and the sort of characters they've they've, they've got in the building. To it. Well, maybe characters is the wrong way of, of putting it. Profiles, maybe. Is but it, if you is, don't know what you're doing or it's a bit disjointed, it. it's unlikely you're then going to kind of really go too far yeah, like if they were But about, he, means, if, he means aggression in terms of assertive, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah I, think, well, I think so. He means pressing, really, right? If we're going to really boil it down. Presumably. Well, well I, I guess I guess that's group organisation, isn't, isn't it? Yeah, but the I, fact I mean, is that it's just been interpreted in different ways yeah, in this yeah, studio. Yeah. Again, it shows you that's true. What it's a little bit bitty and but all over the place. I, can't, I kind of think if they were an NBA team, they would be one of these work in progress. They, they look like a college basketball team, really, in that there's loads of talent, but you think, where are the grown-ups in the building? Mm. And actually... The grown up we're talking about it before. It's Cole Palmer. Yes, yeah, a, a player with like next to no Premier League experience before this season. Mm-hmm. I know they paid forty million for him, and my goodness, he looks worth it. But he shouldn't really have to be in that position. I mean, you know, he was, he was interviewed, wasn't he, before uh, on Sky before this game, and it was broadcast before this game, and he said, "Yeah, I, I wasn't really expecting to play as much." Yeah, which I, I think is interesting. And Conor Gallagher's got the captain's armband. Yes, and there's talk yes. that he might be sold. Yeah. Yes, again, yeah. none of this makes too much sense, really. If, mm. if, if well, you think then, about it, it's the FFP thing with Gallagher, isn't it? Because because he he came through the academy, pure profit, etc. Pure profit, which actually yeah. is a strange thing because we're starting to see um, players possibly getting sold uh, instead of you know getting a chance to stay claim in the long term. So it's like having this weird knock-on effect on on academy players. Are you saying they're Barcelona themselves? <laughs> Possibly. Who knows? Pull the lever. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Not Roman's old lever. No, 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 not that. Yeah. That's just a trapdoor. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, when you say it makes sense to sell Conor Gallagher in pure numbers, I understand yeah, yeah. Oh, the point. Yeah. Oh, that's. I, I don't for a moment think it would be of a course. good footballing decision. And I understand that that was the point you were making. But from a footballing point of view, you know, why on earth are they talking about selling the guy who's got the captain's armband? And how do you has... feel like that? How do you feel about that if you're Pochettino? Yeah, because he clearly mm, loves the question. Him, he? Yes. And, and and again, you think, oh, okay, well, we could sell him for, I don't know, 40, 50 million, whatever it may be, you know, this chat that's supposed well, That assumes that you're going to find someone who's going to directly replace him. I mean, apparently the, the, the club's hierarchy have been impressed with Gallagher, as I think we all have been this season. But you sign a chap for over 100 million who's, who's done okay, but. It, you know, we don't talk about Enzo Fernandez putting in brilliant performances. He's genuinely going to ask which one you mean. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't narrow it down. Yeah, so but, but none of them are in conditions to really succeed. No, it's, I, it's I, not I, a knock on the players, that, is it? That's not me having a. Go- Enzo no. Fernandez is clearly an extremely good player. Moses Caicedo is the same. Um, but that's what I mean. If you if 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 they think the, the club's hierarchy think, oh, I tell you what, we can cash in here because then we can sign someone really big. It's like I think you've tried that. 
You know, yeah. you have a player who's playing really well for you at the moment, who's 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 turning heads. Well, not turning heads, but he's he's people are impressed with him. Like, don't sell that player. But isn't there a concern that rather than to regenerate transfer funds, it's simply to keep afloat? Well, if that's the case, Andy, then yes, that yeah, because they they have spent a shitload of money. Well, they po- have, Pochettino yeah. has said that uh, he's been told it's not necessary for them to sell players if they want to buy more players. So and, they've and, got the most fascinating and confusing finances in world football. Yeah, it's like an Escher painting of a spreadsheet, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> but the <laughs> I don't think I don't think he'd say that publicly though. Yeah, I, I, or, or rather, like I don't think he would say you know, otherwise in public. The thing is, he's in a bit of a tricky situation, Pochettino, isn't he? Because we've asked already, I mean, he's 50 years old and we could still have a question. You talked about different interpretations of what he means by aggressive. Mm -hmm. I think we could all have different interpretations of what Pochettino is as a coach at this point. And there will be points, I think, however the rest of this season goes, and I don't think they're going to qualify for Europe, to be perfectly honest, unless they win this. Because it gets you into the Europa Conference League yeah, if you win the Carabao Yeah, I, I think there must be points, there must have already been points, where Pochettino's like, oh, this, is, this is much harder than I imagined. Mm-hmm. This is much harder than I imagined. But if, if they sack him, where does that leave them? Mm. If he walks away, where does that leave him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... That- you know, it, 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 what can we really... Say about if you they were another, I, I can't if imagine you're, they'd if you're another big club, but, but say say it ends in an unsuccessful way. Yes, who takes him next? Mm. What, what big club says? Oh, I'm I'm really impressed by what Pochettino's done over the last five years. We'll spend the ten million a year it costs to pay him, or, mm. or you know whatever it costs to pay. They wouldn't be able assistance. to afford it, but Southampton would have him back. Yeah. <laughs> Spurs won't. He's even burnt the bridges with the club, who, all the fan base who who absolutely adored him. Of course, it's it's a funny old situation. I think um, with Chelsea though, and, and you know, this has been the case, or I've been saying this for a while. It seems very clear to me. They've got very very wealthy owners. They've signed young players on long contracts who are clearly very very good. I think that like Bowley is happy to take the hit of a few years being a bit mad. I think we should well. We we shall see. But they need to overturn this in the second leg because if they were to go out to Middlesbrough. No disrespect to Middlesbrough, of course, but Chelsea with their Premier League status and finance, it would be a huge upset. And where they are in the table, it's a massive opportunity missed. It it, it would be, yeah. But, you know, all to play for in in that second leg. It's another, you know, as we've been saying recently, it's frustrating that these games are two-legged because Middlesbrough could be through here. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, chaos theory, you know, if if it's just a one-off affair, you know, then... Game's probably yeah, different. They, they, all that kind of stuff. But you're right. It, it is it is a bit of a shame. But having said that, it's slightly different to normal two-legged games because I think in most situations, you would be thinking, oh, okay, the class and talent will tell in the second leg. Chelsea could play really well in the second leg and still not win it because they're so bad at actually putting their chances away. Mm. So it's a really interesting second leg. Well, yeah. And, and another clean sheet for Middlesbrough would do it because they've got three clean sheets in the Carabao Cup this season more than any other side mm. of the competition. Um, you see, so uh, yes. Um, Andy, AFC Wimbledon were involved in a cup match last night. It wasn't the League Cup. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was sort of sitting here thinking, EFL Cup, it's all about the EFL trophy really, isn't it? Or the, the, Bristol, the Bristol Street Motors trophy. Is that right? It's full name. That's lovely. I mean, you... obviously it has been essentially devalued by having under-21 teams from Premier League teams in it. But the fact is, 
Uh, I don't live in London anymore. I can't come to the games most weekends, so beggars can't be Jesus. <laughs> but you were there last night, as were I about was. 200 Oxford fans who um, your boys abused, saying uh, your support is effing shit. I, I, I just hate that. Mm. I, I just hate I it love so it. much. But what I find is that when people sing that at the, the you know, couple of hundred or whatever it was Oxford fans who have made, you know, a fairly long journey in the freezing cold to watch in their mid-week. team. In midweek. It's like, no, the, you should give, it's the people who aren't there. You know, so so I don't know. So this on. should be more of like an email campaign. Exactly, exactly. You shouldn't slag off the people that are there. Yeah, that, that, well, I don't think they were slagging off them. They were slagging off the people they associate with. But I still think it's, <laughs> Your it's nonsense. Your associates are shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very different but we sure it's, it's, one of, it's one of those chants <laughs> that right, you get all over England and I hate it. Fine, but you did see an outfield player going girl. Oh, I mean, don't we all love that? Right. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was in the, the closing stages the Oxford goalkeeper got sent off for a professional foul and so mm. one of the outfield players went in goal and while he's taking ages to get changed you think oh, it's such a shame there are substitute goalkeepers this is fun yeah and every time Wimbledon got the ball despite being 2-0 up and essentially needing Shoot. to keep exactly yeah. for like five remaining minutes plus five minutes of stoppage time love it Bloody love Beautiful. it. Beautiful. All right, everybody, before we go for a break, a reminder that every Wednesday we release an extra long version of the Football Ramble exclusively for our Patreon subscribers. On last week's edition, we tried to decide which footballer should get a knighthood. And of course, there was only one answer. Who would you knight in football right now? Andy Brass. Bellingham. Bellingham, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Let's just get it done. Get, get it done now. <laughs> get out of the way. Yeah, when we were talking about retiring jerseys, obviously the number 10 Argentina FA stuff, if England win a major tournament, retire all the starting juice. <laughs> <laughs> In goal, number 27. Yeah. <laughs> it's just going to look like an NFL like yeah. line. Yeah. But that, that, would, that would be like England after the Ashes, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. I always find it odd when people get a knighthood or, or become a dame when they're really young. Sir Luke Littler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You see, it's that type of banter mm. that you can get. Every We're so funny, day. aren't we? <laughs> um, did you see Jude Bellingham? He of the soon-to-be knighted um, variety was uh, talking about Jamie Carragher's like best eleven of um, 2023. And up front, you've got Harry Kane. I think it was Mbappe and Messi. I think, um, which you know, not too much of a stretch. And uh, he went, "Yeah, there's a lot of walking up there. Not enough." Uh, <laughs> not enough the <laughs> like he just sat back in his chair. And just Mbappe. Mbappe. Yeah. <laughs> Not having it. Um, right, well, on today's Ramble Uncut, which of course is the um, the extra long version, we're marking the anniversary of the Davy Cameron is a pie tweet, um, which uh, apparently Jeremy Corbyn didn't share on uh, on Twitter as it was called back then. Um, and we're going to share our favourite ever posts on X uh, to get that extended edition of the Football Ramble in your podcast app today and every single Wednesday. All you have to do is become a friend of the Ramble by heading over to Patreon.com patreon.com forward slash football ramble you'll also get ad free shows and access to the ramble discord where you can slag off fish sign up now small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I say stay down. You would too, Chris. Yeah. You hit him in the penis. <laughs> <laughs> in the penis, everybody. In the penis. Uh, right, let's have a bit of um, FA Cup chat. Uh, Manchester United beat Wigan 2-0 on Monday to uh, finish off the FA Cup third round. What a way to do it, Vish, eh? Thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. you left it to us and we delivered. <laughs> yes. Headliners. <laughs> Your headline Where's... act of the FA Cup third round, everybody. It's Wigan versus Manchester Has anyone United. come on and cleared the pyramid stage? Um, Rasmus Hoyland. <laughs> yeah. he, no, I want to say cleared it as in he kicked a football right, <laughs> right over it. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually a diving header. Leave um, him alone. Yeah, Roy Keane accused Ian Wright, Roberto Martinez, and Ali McCoyst of being too kind uh, for having sympathy for the striker. I'm not sure they were actually because Ali McCoyst was when he missed that header when he I think he flicked the top of the bar. He's like, you've got to be putting those yeah. away. They were criticising be... him. They just weren't being dicks. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> even, that, even that wasn't enough for Roy Keane. <laughs> yeah, that's it. No, you've got to you've got to you've you've got to stick the boot in. We did. No, I mean physically you stick make the boot him in. feel shit about himself. <laughs> yeah. Make him physically hurt and, uh, and put, yeah. put on a ro- more robust boot. Then yeah. <laughs> you have to. Yeah, um, it's a shame though for Rasmus Hoyland. I think you know. We wish him well. We wish, you know, we. It's it is like you, you've. I think nowadays, you know, you you think you don't want to sort of slag off a player too much. Partly because I think you know, in 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 terms of like um, emotional well being and so on, you you yeah. you don't want to be too. You're basically, you want to do it constructively. Yes, yeah. but but also on a much more sort of unimportant level, you don't want people to clip up what you said previously and then play it back to you. <laughs> so, that, that's, yeah. that, so that's you saying, without actually saying it, that mm-hmm. you think he might come good. <laughs> yeah, maybe. And we'll take that. Are you concerned that he won't at this point, Vish? Because, I mean, they are they are some proper sitters there. Yeah, that's and it, it makes Jim. you wonder... That's if it, they, Lay the trap for the It's clip. not the first time, is it? <laughs> it's not the first time that this sort of thing has happened. And mm. it, you, he, his goal record at Atalanta wasn't exceptional. And it makes you think, is this a guy who is, is never going to be prolific? Are you, are you concerned about that? Or do you still think that he's just kind of waiting to explode? Well, it's like Andy said, um, I think a few weeks ago, uh, about, you know, Hoyland is the younger striker you buy alongside the bigger striker. Um, so he doesn't have to, you know, he's not exposed to so many minutes and can basically work it out as he goes along. Basically get given the time that young players need to um, to get up to speed. In terms of worry about whether he'd actually he'll actually come good, I th- I, maybe worry is not the right word because I've just seen so many players recently at Manchester United either not come good or fester or, as we've seen with Rashford, have a brilliant season last season and just 
you know, have his form fall off a cliff. Um, that's the issue. That has, to be, reasons, that has yeah. to be at the front of your mind in the week that they're getting rid of Jaden Sancho. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. Really? Oh, well, I mean, that, and that, that, is, that is a great one. I know people talk about the, uh, the fallout he had with Ten Hag, but it wasn't like leading up to that game, you know, mm. that there was a sense that this was a player who'd like finally cracked it. You know, he had a re- really, really tough, t- tougher than Hoyland, really. Mm. Um, Sancho had a really tough start to his Manchester United career. And, you know, for, for a while, it's been a case about the environment they've been in and who knows if it's going to change and the the, um, the new football ownership. But, yeah, not, not so much worry. There feels like an inevitability to it, in part because of how United played. Obviously, he missed chances against Wigan, but he's, you know, he's almost subsisted on, on very... Well, he has, has subsisted on very little um, over the last few months. Um, Why on earth did Manchester United not get Jesse Lingard back in there? We saw know. the effect he had on West Ham. I mean, I do know, but... <laughs> but yeah, Surely the type of guy who's going to give everybody a lift. He'll be, honestly, if they re-sign him, he'd be among the goals straight yeah. away. If, it would only last a few months, but my goodness, what a few if months. If they're not careful, he'll offer himself to Barcelona and they'll take him up on it. Yeah. Apparently that's what's going on, everybody. He's reportedly offered himself to Barcelona, as Jim just said, but I just wanted to re- restate that just in case you thought, yeah, that was a, surely that's bollocks. No, no, no apparently he's offered himself. Would you, would you not want to see him at Inter Miami? I'd love to see him at Inter Well, he Miami. was training with Inter Miami and they didn't, think, by all accounts, didn't want to sort of take him up there. So I think he's, he's tried. He's got a great, you know, have a little think here, isn't he? He's offering himself to Barcelona the, the best starting point. Mm. Well, it wasn't his starting point. As we say, he was training with Inter Miami. I think that he's... Yeah, but and, he, and again, he's not got a contract there. That's what I mean. Yeah, well, he, he went to Saudi. Oh, yeah. here we go. He was splashing the cash. And they presumably they, they didn't offer him anything. Um, Paul Scholes has not been too happy with Jesse Lingard um, for posting pictures of himself working out on Instagram. Scholes replied, are you just going to fuck about in the gym or are you going to actually play some football? Which is amazing because they clearly know each other personally. They would have played together at Man United. There would have been some crossover there, you would think, towards the end of Scholes' time. Possibly. I mean, is he, yeah, yeah, is he, is yeah, he, yeah, is he was, not yeah. trying to play football? Yeah. Yeah. Is he not trying to get a club? It's just completely like worthless tweet, really, isn't it? Well, well, from Skulls. Yeah. But, but I, I, think it was a, I think it was a joke with a bit of yeah, truth yeah. kind of, you know, layered into it or layered right, through it. Right. In terms of like, oh, you know, when are you going to sign for a club? In that Skulls wants him to sign for a club and actually be playing it's, football. It's, it's obvious that, that he's he's had a really hard time. I mean, obviously, the the root of it is in the fact that he, he made a poor decision to sign for Forrest for, for, mm-hmm. for one year. But, I mean, you know, I, I don't think part of being part of someone's community or part of being part of someone's football community is turning around and going, oh, well, you made that mistake, so you deserve to be punished forever. Andy, I, I think you, you can be forgiven for not picking up on Paul Scholes' humour, if indeed that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, he's quite Maybe. a... He's quite a brusque fellow isn't he I think yeah. it's fair to say yeah 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 either or we want Lingard back playing football wherever that may yeah. be because I mean he was fantastic for West Ham that's what it? I mean it was, a, it was yeah. a reminder of what a joyous player he can be when, yeah. when, when the environment is right and it's it's a real shame that he's not been able to find that environment you know yeah. what it's like it's like when Balotelli or Ben Arthur walked out on Nice because they thought there was better around the corner and there wasn't right and that those decisions pretty much finish their career at the top level mm-hmm. and you look at Lingard and like there's still the temptation to think oh he's a young player he's not no. he's, he's, 31. He's, he's, he's not you know he needs to play now at the top level or it's over mm-hmm. he's clearly waiting for a club that he feels is befitting of his 
own perceived quality, which I don't have a problem with at all. Or big wages, hence he was going over the sound. Well, I mean, that, that's part of it, isn't it? That's part of how you perceive yourself okay. as a, yeah, as a yeah, footballer, yeah. yeah. Because he's not he's unattached. He's not getting paid at the moment. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's what he sees as his value. Um, and it is sad not to see, fo- see playing football, but I suppose from, from our side of it, because of how little information we have, mm-hmm. kind of thing, you just... Maybe you need to lower your standards a bit or be a bit more realistic of the way of the world. I think it's easy to look at Saudi and think there's loads of money flowing around mm-hmm. in football. But even what we talked about in the first half about Chelsea maybe having to sell Conor Gallagher to balance their books, yeah. having spent all this money. It feels like the sands have shifted a bit and players like Lingard are probably seeing that for, at close hand. Whereas yeah. There we go. We've it. got our Paul Scholes there. That's it. <laughs> whereas, it whereas if you compare it to, say, David De Gea, David De Gea has had a lot of offers. But according to some people, he is actually enjoying a bit of downtime right. and is just kind of weighing stuff up. And, you know, I think if De Gea wanted to, he could probably... That's an extraordinary approach, though, isn't it? I mean, if you do that as a coach, yeah. if you take a year out as a coach, mm-hmm. that's fine. When you're a player and you do that, people look at you and ask what's wrong with you. Yeah. Don't they? It's incredibly risky. Worked for Landon Donovan. <laughs> it, it's also it's also important important to point out that in terms of first team minutes for someone who's been around as long as Lingard has, he doesn't actually have that many no mm. spent a lot of time as a substitute he um, when he was even when he was you know establishing himself as a you know a, a, as a good player for Manchester United he still wasn't a regular starter week in week out and it was only really the West Ham stint on loan that you thought, all oh, right, this is what you can do with a proper run of games. Here. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are links to Everton, which might just be Oof. lazy because it's obvious. Because obviously, Sean you know, Dyche is not interested, surely. Well, I, well you, would, would you be have the said, stumbling block? But would right, you have but, said David Moyes would have been interested in a Jesse Lingard type player? Yeah, yeah. I don't and think also, so. Dyche is shopping from a very limited uh, market, isn't he? True. So if, if they can get players in on a free, he might think about it. He might think about it. Well, uh, gentlemen, back to the FA Cup. Of course, the draw took place on Monday. Uh, um, Manchester United will be playing League Two Newport or National League side Eastley. Um, they'll be going away to uh, the winner of, um, of of that tie. Uh, so yeah, not a bad draw for Manchester United. Fish, you've got to be happy with that, I would say. Yeah, it's just I just see banana skins everywhere now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, Maidstone United, the lowest ranked club left in the competition, will travel to Ipswich Town. Now, I th- we we said that you either want a game where you think there might be a slight chance, you know, maybe play against um, one of the more lower... Worst uh, possible draw. Do you think it's a worst possible it's draw? It's worst possible draw because with all due respect to Ipswich, I know they've, they're have they trying to get promoted to the Premier League and they're, they're, they're previous European trophy winners and they've got a great coach and all that sort of stuff. It's not playing a top Premier League team and you're not going to win it. Yeah, I, you are right. But it's the worst of both worlds. It's a nice ground. But I think you could spin it in, in, in certain ways as you, you I would just, wouldn't be dismissive of the stuff you said about what they're doing now in their history. I think that's how you would sell it and say, look, this is incredible. You know, we're going to play. They're looking at it as a future Premier League club. Yeah, and, and, and it has been a Premier League ground. You know, I think England yeah. played there once fairly there is, there recently. Is. Fucking hell. What? <laughs> You've not even got onto the Sabobi statue yet. What's wrong with you? I was, I was leading up to that, but Jim suddenly, up. Jim's just disrespected modern history. As it <laughs> this is, that's very, well, you know, I saw the Arctic Monkeys in a pub, so I don't need to see them <laughs> in the proper stuff. Yeah, no, I'm saying that go and see them now. You'd be amazed what the, the front yeah. man looks like, but um, but yeah. So I, I I think yeah I know what you mean, Andy. But ultimately, those Maidstone players never thought they'd play in a ground, you know, like Portman Road. No, so true. true. So they'll they'll enjoy it, no doubt, even if they get absolutely hammered. Um, uh, the big one uh, you could argue in in the round is Tottenham against Manchester City. 
Not what uh, you want, is it? it, it, it Free rhythm, really. No. It, it is if you're not a fan of one of those sides. <laughs> it, it is if you're a TV exec. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very much so, yeah. Uh, Tottenham, of course, have confirmed the uh, the on-loan signing of Timo Werner for the rest of the season. And we spoke about this on Monday, you weren't on the show. But uh, having, you know, being a man who's much more in tune with the Bundesliga and, and so on, what do you make of this signing? Potentially very decent. I would echo a lot of what you guys said on on Monday, really, in that, you know, there's a, there's a, a little bit of unknown to it. I, I mean, I always think his, his goal-scoring record at Chelsea is a little bit curious because he always got himself in the spot and globally played quite well. Like, he always offered someone something to the team, even when he wasn't scoring, that he got in the spots and missed some unbelievable chances. We know he's a good finisher mm-hmm. because we've seen it. If there's a drop-off in goal-scoring records, normally it suggests the defending's better and you can't get in the spots. But he did get in the spots. So it obviously was some sort of um, mental block or psychological pressure that was weighing on him, um, maybe because of the fee. Maybe he can play with a little bit more freedom now. The reason he wants to get out is, as I think Vish was saying on Monday, he's simply not playing. You know, he's not uh, Marco Rosa, the current um, Leipzig coach's cup of tea. He wants to do something different with the team. They've evolved a little bit. I think stylistically, he really suits Tottenham. And he just wants to play so he can get into the Germany squad for Euro 2024. But I think if Spurs have this window where they pick up Werner, who really, with the sort of fee that they've agreed for him, it's, it's almost a freebie at uh, their mm-hmm. sort of level to get someone who could potentially be really good mm-hmm. for like around 15 million quid is is great. And, you know, they've got a little try before you buy as well. And then they're bringing in Dragashin, Radu Dragashin as well from <coughs> Genoa. It looks like they've, they've beat Bayern Munich to that deal because Bayern were a little late on it. And he's someone who will, because he's big, good in the air and pretty fast, even though he's developing, he will possibly lessen their reliance on Van der Ven because since Van der Ven's got injured, they've been all over the shop at the back, let's be honest. Mm. And part of that is because of the squad construction and you've had players playing who don't really suit the way that Postacolu um, wants, wants to play football. So it's two big moves in the right direction and to get two good value signings mm-hmm. and signings that address needs in that squad in January, in the first half of January... Mm. That's already great. Means for they're more prepared for that tie against Man City, doesn't it? There we go. There we are. It's the big picture, of course. Here. Well, also the the you know I think both will be eligible for the Sunday game with Manchester United as well. Oh, perfect. More good news. So there's a different expectation on Werner now as well. You know, I think he came from he came to Chelsea mm. and scored shed loads of goals. Don't think that's necessarily expected of him now. But also Spurs make chances for for literal fun. So it, mm. you know it could be could be a good surprising fit. Yeah. Going back to the FA Cup, everybody, Leeds have been drawn to play at home against Plymouth Argyle. Have been drawn away from home for their previous 13 FA Cup matches. <laughs> it's quite extraordinary. The odds of them being drawn away for the 14th time in a row were apparently 1 in 16,384. Everyone's against them. Even numbers. <laughs> Even the numbers. Uh, have you seen there's a new angle of Patrick Bamford's goal that he scored um, in the, the third round? It sounds like it's a conspiracy been... theory. It definitely went in. Yes, we should say that it did cross the line. Very much so. The new angle <laughs> provides even more enjoyment and entertainment, we should yeah. say. Quite incredibly, we, um, I think because we talked about it so much before we came to the studio, it wasn't actually mentioned on uh, on Monday's show, so apologies to Patrick Bamford, because that is one of the goals, if not the goal of the season. Because when, when he scored, 
And he went back in to the changing room. He was like, they're going to talk about this on Monday. Yeah, on the ramble. And I can only imagine how upset he was when he didn't have <laughs> He would, so he would have been thinking today. about that before it even hit the net. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I could lay this off. No, I won't get on the show then, will I? <laughs> Maybe that's why his celebration was a little bit subdued. He was thinking about us. And we've let him down. I'm sorry, Patrick. Yeah. Apologies, sir. But that was a, a peach, a push gash, a contender maybe, Andy? Maybe. I do think Peterborough is a great place to score a banger at. Everything about it, the nets, the camera angles, the contours of the stands. Mm-hmm. If I was going to score a great goal outside the Premier League, I would want to score it at, at London Road. Yeah. And was Barry Fry there? <laughs> Let's hope so. Is that all you know about Peterborough, Barry Fry? <laughs> He's talking about nets and camera angles and stuff. You know, I just wanted to add a little bit more colour. Right. You know, any any excuse to mention Barry. Any, any excuse is good for me. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, now, gentlemen, um, Everton, of course, have got to play Crystal Palace. Whoopee. Um, after that nil-nil at Selhurst <laughs> Park. Dominic Calvert-Loon will be available because his three-match suspension for getting sent off in the original fixture has been overturned. I really so enjoyed Andy Hunter's, uh, from The Guardian's tweet for this. Of course, he covers football um, mm-hmm. in, in, in Liverpool. And uh, it, I think he, he tweeted, uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin will be available for Everton's replay after Crystal Palace, after his ridiculous red card has been overturned. No, I, I like, hate this in the era of Kunzberg when they just like copy and paste the press release. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say that uh, it's egg on the faces of anybody who showed sympathy to um, the VAR or the referee who made that decision, of course. And that would be me. Um, I got horrendous abuse from Jim Campbell about this. You did. I I, I don't think that's unfair. You you can understand why a mistake was made. I think the world would be a better place if people understood why a mistake was made. Referee shouldn't make mistakes. We've been through this, Andy. (laughs) For the money they earn, etc. If I I can offer you an olive branch, please. I'd say it's, it's, it's cake on your face. You know, yeah, the, the egg is within a cake. It's not. True. It's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of Fulham, been given a home tie against the Piff Posse. Yeah. Don't want that. I no. want an easy game. I want Fulham to you be. It will be if Jordan Henderson's making his debut. <laughs> but for who? Well, Andy. Um, yeah, Fulham will be playing at home to Newcastle United. So yeah, I don't know. Let's concentrate on tonight's game away to Liverpool at uh, at Anfield. Of course, it's the first ever League Cup semi final for Fulham. Um, the second leg will be at Craven Cottage soon enough because it is a two legged affair, despite my protests. But Marco Silva said that is not enough for him getting Fulham to their first ever League Cup semi final. He's got his sights on Wembley, and and he does talk a good game, Marco Silva. I know he can can bubble up a little bit um, post-match if things haven't gone his way or indeed during a game as we saw last season but um, I think there, there does seem a bit more sort of purpose about Fulham due to Marco Silva does anybody have any kind of thoughts on that because he's a very ambitious manager as we've known in the past he's won a few trophies in um, country I think Greece did he win yeah. a trophy and maybe Portugal as yeah. well did he win something um, and, and obviously in England it's been a bit of a funny time for him you know you think about when he went to Hull I mean it was a bit of a sinking ship then he was at Watford for a short while then Everton I mean we're talking about a different level of club that he's been coaching yeah. in comparisons to the level of the clubs in the countries that you mentioned yes so it's, it's very different but, but with uh, Fulham uh, he seems to have found a home here yes because very impressive in the championship of course and he's come up and he's established Fulham as a sort of fairly mid-table 
possible Premier League side, which is what Fulham had been crying out for for a number of years. And they found each other at the right time, yes. really, haven't they? Because if you look at Marco Silva of five years ago, mm. he would have had six good months with Fulham and ditched them for another job. Exactly. Like he did with, exactly. with the Watford move to Everton, mm. for example. Was You know, we talk about a good managerial career being yeah. about the right choices as well. Those, oh. those were poor ones and it's taken him mm-hmm. a while to recover. And Fulham has been a good place to recover from that. But uh, like I said to you some weeks ago, I, I think like for there to be some sort of silverware acknowledgement of the job that he's done there, mm. I think I think would be really nice. Yeah. I, I, th- I think that would be really great. And it's, it's probably a good time to be playing Liverpool. Admittedly, they're top of the league and admittedly they're playing well. But with the news that Trent Alexander-Arnold's going to be out for a while, who's been phenomenal in the last couple of months, by the yeah. way, probably the best player in the Premier League over the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. Like that good, I, I, I would say. And, you know, Liverpool creaking a little bit. We know Fulham were great last time they they went to Anfield as well. And it's all set up for a big, you know, Roy in Europe style second leg at the cottage. <laughs> Can Clint Dempsey make a comeback? Yeah, very phony, very generous interpretation of it there, Andy. I think this is this is going to be tough, isn't it, Marcus? You know what I think? I know obviously they scored three goals at Anfield last time there, but they did concede four. If, Liverpool looked like they're in the mood to if just you've tear heard any of my output, off everyone. If you've heard any of my output with regards to this fixture, I'm fully aware of um, Liverpool Football Club's history and their current sort of yes. situation. Um, but I, I, I think... With with Marcus, like I, you know, when you have a manager like say someone like Silva, you know, like I do look to him and I think like he gives me a bit of hope. Mm. Actually, I know that sounds a bit silly, but f- for fans with uh, who have who have not had any kind of um, trophy wins or, or anything like that, and playing against the big sides is always quite daunting. Actually, Silva is the type of manager I think relishes going toe to toe with the big boys, and we've seen that. Look, this season, you know. Beating Arsenal and Arsenal being a bit of a slump, you know, going to Anfield, giving a good account of themselves, ultimately lost the game, of course. Um, he doesn't seem to be overawed by any of of this kind of stuff. Well, like you and said, he thinks this is his level. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's that's the crucial bit of it. And he's also keenly aware of the kind of history. Mm. He wants to become that for the for, first yeah, for full sure. manager to to win that trophy. And now, it, you know, it's a huge order. It's a tall order. You know, I mean, Jim and I were doing a ramble reacts, of course, um, later. Well, we might be talking about 4-0 Liverpool and the tie's over, mm. but we might not, you know, and, you know, we shall see. Um, but, you know, the last domestic semi-final Fulham were in was the FA Cup in 2002. You know, that's how long it's been. In, you know, in between, they've reached a European final, but you know, that's it. it's just the, the, the funny nature of football. So, yeah, so um, so so Liverpool, as you say, they've, they've, they've got injuries and Fulham, you know, have to kind of capitalise on that. I know it's kind of a harsh way of kind of looking at it. You know, Salah's not there, of course, and... And one or two others. Um, so we shall see, everybody. But yeah, do tune in to um, Ramble Reacts uh, following that game, which will be in your podcast pipes um, late tonight or early tomorrow morning, depending on what time zone you're in or how you live your life. So there we are, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to the Football Ramble, part of the ACAST Creator Network. Um, don't forget, patron subscribers, keep listening for Ramble Uncut. And of course, if you're not a patron subscriber, do sign up to Ramble Uncut every single Wednesday. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Football Ramble. Follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter, TikTok, YouTube and Instagram at Football Ramble. Don't forget subscribe on your podcast app. Thank you, Andy. Thanks. Thank you, Vish. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. And good luck for them. The Football Ramble is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. 
Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.